Welcome to the Adelphoi podcast. Adelphoi is a music production company based in London and Amsterdam, and we do music and sound design for audio branding and commercials worldwide. This podcast series is an offshoot of the work that I do there, but it's more about me trying to look at audio branding critically and find a way through the flim-flam and hype to get to some solid ground. I'm Jamie Masters, and this is the almost spring of 2021. Eddie's back. I'm afraid they couldn't fix him in the shop. Hey, Eddie, you've got to clean the kitchen. I'm sorry, I don't understand. Clean up that mess you made. Here's what I found for clean up that mess you made. Stoneageable.com says, number one, don't panic. Number two, don't get discouraged. In the last couple of episodes, I've been tussling with the whole concept of Sonic logos. How we use them, what they're for, even what we should really call them. And in this episode, I want to talk about the blindingly obvious fact that they are short. Because that is really the point of them. That's the key feature. It's little audio snippets that get this special status, and we give them a special name. That one I just played was webuyanycar.com, and that probably goes in my top ten list of most effective Sonic logos. That's a brand I would literally know nothing about if it hadn't been for their audio branding. That's about two seconds long. So what is the magic of short audio devices? There are so many brands that have opted for a Sonic logo on their advertising, and so many different ways that Sonic logos are done, but they all have this one thing in common. They're all just... short. Actually, that's relatively long. That's 3.6 seconds from the O2 mobile telephone service in the UK. I think we can go a bit shorter. That's more like it. That's Stadia, a games company. 2.5 seconds. So if there's all this investment in teensy little slivers of audio, that's got to mean something. SNCF, 2.2 seconds. Got to say that's probably also in the top 10. There is, presumably, something about short audio devices that makes them particularly effective compared with long audio devices, whole tunes, whole tracks. BMW, 2 seconds. Now, TV advertising has plenty of longer brand themes too. Some of them have been, historically, very successful. But they're very much in the minority these days, compared with what went on in the 1960s, 70s, 80s and 90s, when audio branding, or what we would now call audio branding, was a much more intuitive business. And there wasn't any real theoretical underpinning, so there was a lot of variety and experimentation. Somehow between then and now, an orthodoxy has emerged that says that short sonic devices are the way to use audio for brand enhancement. So let's think about shortness. It's a fact of life in the marketing world that long musical themes, especially jingles, get abbreviated over their lifetimes. So something like this... 
The Gillette Atro Plus system with the Luber Smooth Strip for the best a man can get. Becomes something like this. And something like this. Go compare, go compare. Go be sure when you insure first, go compare. Where your choice is a man you could say. Becomes something like this. When the unexpected happens. Go compare. And the more that happens, the more we get used to the idea that short snippets, fragments of things, are a normal, legitimate way to represent a brand sonically. It's no great surprise that these abbreviations happen, because, well, a full-on jingle, or even an instrumental theme, however effective it may be at first, becomes cumbersome over the longer term. There's just not much else you can do if every TV ad has to have the whole jingle running through it every time. So naturally, once it's done its job, made its mark, the jingle gets shortened, becomes an end tag, maybe sung, maybe not. And the idea is, that's okay, because everyone knows the full version, and, you know, there's enough of it left to jog people's memories. And not having it run all the way through leaves plenty of space in the main body of the ad for the agency creatives to try out new ideas and different kinds of music. And that's a story we see played out repeatedly throughout the whole of advertising history. Short things stand for long things. Now, in many cases, the brand started off with an end jingle, something specifically designed to go on the end of an ad, and remove the need for abbreviation. Things like this from US insurance brand Nationwide. This is back in the 1960s. Call the Anyone who lives in the US is probably quite familiar with that one, in some modern variant. That's why Nationwide is on your side. The same is not quite true for this next one from the UK. That's fairy liquid. That version dates back to about 1960, but it, it lasted for well over 30 years. And I'm quite fond of it. These end jingles were a way of bowing to the inevitable, sort of pre-truncated to leave lots of space for whatever else needed to be fitted in. Even so, there was a tendency to try to squish end jingles too into a smaller space once they'd become well-known enough. And that became even more marked as we moved into the 21st century. Here's a famous one from the US. Like a good That's State Farm Insurance, an end jingle written by Barry Manilow, of all people. And that was a debut from 1975. It clocks in at just under eight seconds. Now, they're still using that theme today, but it's gone through several transformations along the way. So, let's pick up the story at this slightly speeded-up version from 1990. And like a good neighbour, State Farm is there. 
that's down to 5 seconds. By 2000, you get a choice of this homely acoustic guitar version. I switched my car insurance immediately. State Farm does act like a good neighbour. 5 seconds. Or this electric guitar thing with just the end of the phrase. Your home and you. State Farm is there for you, because State Farm is there for life. Five seconds. In 2006, we've got an electric guitar doing the whole melody. Get to a better state. Three seconds. 2012, we get this kind of Casio synth sound. It's a bit tongue-in-cheek, I think. State Farm agents are there when you need them. That's four seconds. 2017, we're down to the last four notes. To help life go right. State Farm. That's two seconds. And then, in 2019, there's this. Now that is the principle of less is more, taken to extremes. But then in 2020, State Farm pulled back from the brink and replaced the beedly deep with this. Like a good neighbour, State Farm is there. And that covers the whole original melody, plus the lyrics. But that's still less than three seconds at the end. Assuming the Beedly Deep wasn't just a misstep on their part, they've done this kind of thing before. However playful and cryptic they've gone in the past, they do keep coming back with very explicit reminders of their original jingle. So, in fact, in the same ad as we heard this thing... State Farm agents are... The script had people magically summoning a State Farm representative. Like this. Like a good neighbour, State Farm is there. Oh, hey, guys. I still found the Beedly Deep version very striking. Super short, stripped to the bare bones. More the kind of thing you'd expect uh, as an alert on an app. And actually, that may be what they had in mind. They wouldn't be the only brand to be adapting to the way the market is moving online and even off screens onto smart speakers. And a little call sign like might have any number of uses as a brand flag. I expect we'll be hearing it in the future. Two and a half to three seconds seems to have been accepted as the standard length for a Sonic logo pretty much from the moment the idea began to take off. So that's the late 90s and the early 2000s. And it's no coincidence that three seconds is the length of the Intel bongs, which was so massively influential on the early development of the audio branding industry. In a way, it's a pretty arbitrary length. It was chosen by the Intel marketing guy for presumably non-musical reasons, and the composer, Walter Vertsova, just went with it and made a success of it. So it's interesting that it's stuck. But it's almost more interesting to see how the audio branding industry then had to overcome the limitations of this strange miniature format and try to play to its strengths. So one big idea that emerged fairly early on was to treat the Sonic logo as the theme, the musical theme, for longer pieces of music that could then play different roles in the overall branding project. So, a Sonic logo, and a brand track for advertising, and something to play on telephone helplines when the customer is on hold, maybe some underscore for information videos, and so on. 
Now, that's not like Intel at all. The Intel Sonic logo is all there is, and there aren't any longer tracks made out of it. Well, there was one. OK, well, that's just Mr. Wertzover having some fun with a Beethoven mashup. Anyway, this new idea, where the Sonic logo is the tune of a piece of music, does sound quite like the kind of thing I've just described, where you start with a jingle and then you abbreviate it until you have just a bit left. Except that this time it's done back to front. The composer comes up with a short, catchy sequence of four or five notes and knows that that has to serve as a sonic logo, as well as being the theme for some longer tracks. That, by the way, was Lufthansa's little melody. And you can hear it, for instance, on their boarding music. So in other words, in this model, the brand track is contrived with the sonic logo in mind. That's a fairly mainstream way of doing audio branding even now. Here's one from Shell Oil, which has been using this tune since 2015. And yes, that is almost exactly the same tune. Almost. I've chosen this particular example to demonstrate one of the inherent problems with sonic logos based on melodies. They're so short, they have so few notes and those notes are required to express such similar things, like, you know, being strong and positive and aspirational and uplifting, it's almost inevitable that different brands are going to choose sonic logos that kind of bump up against each other. Anyway, here's Shell again. Sorry, that's Lufthansa. Shell. Yeah. And here's an excerpt from an orchestral track they did as a kind of hero version. And anyone who enjoys this kind of thing can go to the Shell YouTube channel and see how many times you can spot the melody in the background music. Round our way, we like nothing more than an evening of Spot the Sonic. So it's very much the same story for HSBC. If you've been following this series, you'll know that I've been using HSBC as a constant point of reference. So you'll recognise this. And this too has a counterpart in a longer brand track. In fact, several slightly different ones based on the theme. And again, the ultimate destiny of these longer brand tracks seems to be as underscore on the YouTube channel. They don't really get used on advertising. So to be honest, there are lots of ways an approach like that can go off the rails. And I've heard a lot of excessive claims from audio branding companies about what it achieves. 
a lot of frankly silly talk about DNA, which is just just totally doesn't work as a metaphor because well, yeah, don't don't get me started. But yeah, whatever you think about the sales pitch, the system offers a reasonable method for generating branded music in a way that is plausibly coherent and consistent, all based on the same core idea. There's a catch, and the catch is that a lot of brands don't really care about these longer pieces of branded music. 99% of the time, what they care about is the Sonic logo, and if they commission a full-length track at all, it's often out of a sense of duty or at the suggestion of the audio branding company. You may even hear the full brand track on a TV ad, but generally speaking, not for long, not past the first couple of ads. And whoever makes the decisions about these things, they seem to be quite keen to cut things down to the Sonic logo as soon as decently possible, and get rid of the brand track like some rocket jettisoning empty fuel tanks after takeoff. And and when I say this, I know there are some brands which have very particular audio needs, like Lufthansa with its boarding music, and then of course it's a different story. But for the majority of brands, the fact is that, certainly as far as advertising is concerned, and to a great extent outside advertising, the whole emphasis of the audio identity still seems to fall on the Sonic logo, even when other kinds of brand music would be available if they wanted to use them. So again, you have to wonder, what is the special magic of a three-second-long Sonic device that brands prefer Sonic logos to all other kinds of audio identity? Well, there are several factors at play. The very term Sonic logo encourages us to think of the device as an exact equivalent of a visual logo. It's a visual logo in sound. And that's a very attractive idea. It's easy to get one's head around, and it seems to make some kind of intuitive sense. Now, as far as music is concerned, it's actually quite paradoxical, because music is time-dimensional. It uses time for its expressive effects. But a visual logo is frozen in time. You can, you can take it in at a glance, or you can focus on one little bit, or your eye can travel this way and that. Music's just not like that. But a sonic logo is conceived almost as a denial of time. It's intended as an audio snapshot, a crystallization of the brand's essence in sound. And that's obviously impossible in a literal sense, because music can't be instantaneous. But that is the driving idea, and it's one thing that keeps sonic logos really, really short. The second thing is it's a widely shared assumption that a short, simple, melodic cell is more memorable than a longer tune. I have to say I don't particularly agree, not in any important sense. I think longer, fully expressed musical themes take a bit longer to learn in the short term, but over the long term they may be much more sticky, as long as you aren't going to expect me to remember every detail. I think longer themes give you more ways in, more chances to get hooked, and more possibility of emotional engagement. Now really, the interesting thing about short fragments of tunes 
is how successfully they manage not to sound like real music. I don't mean that in a snobbish way. I mean there's a problem with using real music in a branding context. And that is that real music can be quite tribal and divisive. Especially when we're teenagers, our musical likes and dislikes are a big part of our identity. How we see ourselves. We know who we are by what we listen to. And that may get less intense as we get older, but it never quite leaves us. All through our lives, it seems that, mentally, the first thing we do when we hear a new piece of music is to try to figure out what genre it is. Check whether it fits into the kind of music we know we like. Or not. Bold choices of music, modern, challenging stuff which only the cool kids relate to, are probably okay for short-term ad campaigns. They show that the brand is progressive and has its finger on the pulse, help it stay relevant. But long-term audio branding is about the whole customer base and needs to be careful about maintaining a wide appeal. So brands generally want to go for stylistic transparency. Music that does all the good things, like being memorable and distinct and meaningful, but which doesn't come with a lot of stylistic baggage that's going to turn some people off. And there are ways to go. It's a bit of a conundrum, but some tribes are pretty broad, and some styles are less divisive than others. If you step back from the achingly contemporary, you already relieve a lot of that pressure. But short sonic logos offer a different kind of solution. When your theme is just a few seconds long, it's stripped of all those time-dependent features that music usually has, like moving harmony, structure, melodic development, repetition, and evolution and changes of texture. And these are all features that usually help listeners orientate themselves and identify the genre. So if you take them away, the music loses a lot of that specificity. It just gets harder to pin it down, and it matters less. It's as if instead of seeing a whole building, you're just seeing a single brick. A brick which has something in common with the building, but isn't the building. And you're not absolutely sure which building it comes from, so who cares? We just hear it as a sample of something, rather than the thing itself. So, hold that thought. It's about time for a break. There's only so much that a person can take We're having this break for your sanity's sake Let your mind wander a moment We'll be back in a bit That feels good, doesn't it? Now I'm sure that you're raring to go to the end And it's time to get on with the show So... Where were we? Okay, the first half was all about the question, why sonic logos? Why short audio devices rather than long ones? What's so good about two or three seconds? And right at the end there, I suggested that a useful side effect of cutting music down to that kind of length is that it becomes less like music. Interestingly, I heard Walter Wertsover, the guy who created the Intel bongs, 
talking in a podcast recently for a series called 20,000 Hertz. And he said something kind of similar. Um, Here's what he said. Our research is that if a mnemonic is longer than three seconds, it works differently. Eddie, Eddie, could you do this? Could you just, I don't know, try some weird, I don't know, Scottish accent or something? Can you do a Scottish accent? Our our, Our research... Our research is that if a mnemonic is longer than is is that if a mnemonic is longer than is longer than three seconds, it it works differently. I was, I I just went Irish. Okay, can you do can you do a, a another foreign accent, European accent? How about a, a random somewhere in the middle of Europe accent? If they, our research is that if a mnemonic is longer than three seconds, it works differently because we shift from hearing to listening, and if it's three seconds, it really touches our subconscious more so than anything else. If you have an eleven-second mnemonic, that tells a different story. It is absolutely more conscious. Conscious people start interacting with it. They see more content, they hear more content, and that is definitely more music than a mnemonic. That was nowhere on the earth. I just made up an accent. <laughs> Honestly, that wasn't bad. So is that is that your repertoire then? I would go with the British one. Honestly, okay. Dad, our research is that if a mnemonic is longer than three seconds, it works differently, because we shift from hearing to listening, and if it's three seconds, it really touches our subconscious more so than anything else. If you have an 11-second mnemonic, that tells a different story. It is absolutely more conscious. People start interacting with it. They see more content. They hear more content. And that is definitely more music than a mnemonic. So that was Eddie being Valtovert's over for me. So look, I don't know what his research is, and I'm not sure exactly what he means about three-second sonics being better at touching our subconscious. But it's interesting to me that he too sees short sonic logos as not really music, not something that you listen to or understand as music. And I also agree that what happens when you give the music a bit more time is that people start responding to it in a different way. They start judging it and classifying it. And judgment, conscious judgment, is always going to mess with subconscious effects. So maybe that's what Vertsova is getting at, that sonic logos ideally operate on a much more subconscious level, but if you let them get too long, people's judgment kicks in and undermines the effect. As for the three-second limit, if he's implying that there's any sort of hard boundary... You know, things more than three seconds are heard as music and things less than three seconds are not. I'd be surprised if that was what he was really saying. It's almost certainly some kind of continuum. You know, four seconds is more musical, two seconds is less musical. So, you know, in a range between several minutes and zero seconds, there's a kind of logarithmic change in how we perceive music. You know, not gradual, but just gets more noticeable as you get closer to zero. So at the shorter end of the scale, it becomes dramatically less meaningful as it has dramatically less time to work on us. The things that usually draw us to music are less there, and our response is less involved and less emotional. 
but also by the time we get to lengths of just a few seconds, the shortness is beginning to impair the basic mechanism by which music operates, and that is repetition with variation. At these very short time lengths, there's just no room for repetition of musical phrases, no time to establish a rhythmic groove. Everything sounds like a sample, an excerpt, a quotation from a musical experience, rather than the musical experience itself. Audio branding often claims that it offers the possibility of a more emotional connection between brand and consumer. But in view of what I've just said, an audio identity based solely on a sonic logo is not about emotional connection at all. Not unless you want to use the word emotional in a different sense. Non-rational, for instance. That would probably be true. I don't personally recall being moved by any short sonic logo I've ever heard, and that goes just as much for the famous successful ones that have obviously proved their worth as any other. And unlike jingles and longer brand themes, I have not sought them out to play them over and over again just for the pleasure of it. And I have done that for jingles. But that doesn't make sonic logos useless, it just means they don't work in that way. The claim we can make for them is that they are registered by our brains. Maybe consciously, maybe not. Maybe we don't even notice that we've heard them. But that's enough to create, over time, a sense of familiarity, continuity and coherence. It builds up a sense of the brand as an entity, something we can believe in. And on that basic foundation, it's possible to build salience, preference and trust. So those are some of the reasons why short sonic logos have proved such an enduring feature of the audio branding landscape. First, the idea of an audio equivalent to a visual logo makes intuitive sense. And second, because they're so short, they're less musical, more functional, and possibly better at getting in under our mental radar and building the idea of the brand in our subconscious. And then there's simplicity, the ethic of less is more. Sonics take that to the ultimate. And if anything, Sonic logos have been getting even shorter in recent years. Three seconds is now positively leisurely, and new Sonic logos are coming out at around one and a half seconds these days. Old Sonics are being reworked to this tight new standard. We saw that in the 2019 version of State Farm, which came in at 1.3 seconds. Even Intel, which arguably started this whole ball rolling in 1994, that's 2.7 seconds, well, they came back last year, 2020, with a new version. This one sped up to only 1.7 seconds, which is about a 40% reduction in length. For melodies to fit into such a short space, there are only two options. Reduce the number of notes, or speed the tune up. And there are musical drawbacks to both. I've talked about the MasterCard melody in another episode of this podcast. 
and I've been bewildered by the sped-up version they play as a Sonic logo at the end of ads. That's 1.6 seconds, and it does sound rushed and, frankly, unmusical. But that's the way things are going. That seems to be the point. Lopping notes off an existing melody kind of disfigures it, so it loses its individuality, its its recognisability. And that was a problem with the State Farm Beedley-Dee, no matter what the intention. Just having made it seem anonymous, it lost all its personality. I think HSBC created a bit of a problem for themselves by creating a sonic that was four seconds long, when the industry trend was clearly towards less than two seconds. And almost immediately they had to cut it down for use on ads by removing the first two notes. And that's about 2.8 seconds, but still not short enough for a modern Sonic, so I've even come across a version where it had to be run into the end of the main ad track, so only two notes stuck out. And that got it in just under two seconds. We've also seen brands create Sonic logos with only two or three notes. That's Honda, just over one second. But the fewer notes there are, the fewer the possible combinations, so everything sounds a bit like something else. How could it not? These are basic building blocks of melody shared by everyone. And and so it may be because of this ongoing pressure in the direction of concision that traditional sonics based on melodies are being edged out in favour of sonics based on sound design. And actually that was always on the cards. If one of the points of the sonic logo was that it had the musicality kind of drained out of it, then sound design just takes that to the next level by removing tunes. Southwest Airways, 1.8 seconds. It has to be said that ad agencies have generally been rather hostile to audio branding, because I suppose it gets in the way of their own creative efforts. And maybe having to plonk a brand melody onto the end of a wry piece of observational comedy feels like a poke in the eye. It spoils the effect. So I think agency creatives are probably adding to the pressure to squash Sonic logos into the smallest possible space and to reduce the melodic content because melody sounds, you know, kind of addy. Ironically, it may be that these days musical Sonic logos are being treated with the same suspicion and discomfort as the jingles that they were supposed to be supplanting back in the 1990s. Finally, there's even greater pressure to strip Sonics clean of any textural complexity, because in a short space of time, that complexity and texture can just sound messy. The modern Sonic logo takes the principle of less is more to unimagined lengths. Nintendo Switch, for example. I mean, hats off to Nintendo. By any standard, that is one hell of an audacious move. Probably the most extreme expression of the new simplicity I've ever seen. 
Is it distinctive? Is it recognisable? Well, yes. Eddie got it at once. Uh, Here's my dramatic reconstruction. Hey, Eddie. Yeah? Do you recognise this? Nintendo Switch. And as I look around, we seem to be at a point where a number of brands are battling each other for possession of the simplest, most elemental sonic gestures to claim them for their own. I guess with Nintendo Switch, that finger-click sound is meant to link to the way the machine clicks into place, and that's reflected in the logo animation as well. But it's also a kind of playful, winking sound. Yeah, what, what did Eddie say? Hey, Eddie, what did you say? Oh, uh, well, the, the clicky sound effect sounds like someone who thinks that they're really cool. Like, you know, I don't know who would ever do this, but that kind of thing. I don't know, that's just what it reminds me of. But the other big thing going on is a whole lot of nothing. Lots of emptiness, space. Sonic logos like that are interesting because they have almost no content. They, they say almost nothing. They gesture towards an inexpressible something. And the message that we take away is confidence, wealth and power. I think it works. Here's Sonny playing the same game. To summarise where I think we are, Sonic logos are getting very short, and the shorter they get, the less they sound like music, the less content they communicate, but the more they act as flags, as audible symbols. As for longer brand tracks, I think the jury is in and brands and agencies are just not buying into the idea of a long-term association with any full-length track as such. Brands do sometimes stick with an existing commercial sync track for a year or two, three years at a push, but then they move on. That's still a kind of audio branding, but it's expensive. None of these tracks are ownable, and it means building associations from scratch every few years. Truly long-term themes, lasting decades like British Airways or Hovis Bread? Remember Hovis? Are probably a thing of the past. But Sonic logos are probably more resilient because they get in the way less and they leave the brand free to make other choices of music for their ads. Those choices may not last so long, but they get the sonic on the end to carry the burden of standing for the brand. So that's where I'm leaving it for today. I still think that brand songs, jingles, are the single most powerful device that was ever available to brands, and one that was actually capable of inspiring emotional engagement. And from that perspective, the way jingles have been kind of run out of town over the last 30 years, especially in the UK, strikes me as a serious loss. And I look forward daily to a time when they can come out of hiding. But in the meantime, Sonic logos do play a positive role in brand enhancement just by being there again and again. And it's that final part of the equation I want to look at next time how the effectiveness of Sonic Logos depends on repetition. 
So that's it from me, Jamie Masters. Until next time. This podcast was brought to you by Adelphoi Music. Adelphoi Music is an audio production company based in the heart of London and Amsterdam, connecting brands to their audiences through music and sound.